All right, welcome again. My name is Todd Schlechty, Transitional Lead Pastor. So great to have you here at Christ Church this morning. Wherever you are, joining us online or in person, we're glad to have you here. Worship with us. We are in the sixth and final week of this sermon series. We've been calling this sermon series Faith Rocks. In this sermon series, we take a 300-year-old John Wesley or Charles Wesley sermon. We pair that with a classic rock song. And through that, what we're trying to do is pull out Uh, transcendent Christian theological themes that speak across cultures, across different times, and speak to our heart even today uh, of God's truth. Foundational ideas, ideas that we would call the rocks of our faith, the faith rocks. And today, that idea that we're thinking about is assurance, what it means that we can know that we know that we know that we're saved. The band has done an amazing job. Thank you guys throughout this series. Last time we get to thank you for it. Great job. That, that song, uh, Don't Stop Believing, that's a favorite of a lot of people. It's, a, it's kind of a classic uh, rock song in that it's, it's as popular today as it ever was. That song came out in 1981 by Journey, and it only reached number nine on the Billboard's charts in the 1980s. It fell back down, obviously. But in 2010, it was featured on a TV show. Anybody know what TV show that was? Glee. If you've got kids or grandkids, Glee. It was on Glee TV show. It was so popular on that show that it came back up to number six or seven on the Billboard's charts in 2010. And today, it is the most digitally downloaded song that was produced before a digital age. It's the most popular digitally downloaded song of the 21st century that was produced in the 20th century. It it has that kind of transcendent feel to it. It's played at every Detroit Red Wings hockey game. It's played at every uh, San Francisco Giants baseball game. And uh, because it speaks to this theme, I think, that's so important in people's lives, this idea of believing, trusting, the power of belief. That song uh, was primarily written by a man named Jonathan Cain. Jonathan Cain is the Journey uh, keyboardist. And Jonathan Cain, when asked in 2018 where that song came from, this is what he said. He said, And it was all based on some advice that my father had given me back when I was struggling in Hollywood. My dog got hit by a car, and I had to put her back together. And it cost me $900 vet bill. I was barely making my rent, and I called my dad, and I said, I need a loan. Am I just dreaming? Should I just come back to Chicago? And he said, I'll give you the loan. you got to stay put. And he said, son, don't stop believing. I was like, that's beautiful, Dad. And I had my little lyric book, and I doodling, don't stop believing. He got asked about that song, what, it, what does it mean? You know, is it believing in God? Is it believing in yourself? Is it believing in some dream in life? It kind of has that feel. It kind of transcends all those types of things. And he said what it means when he wrote about streetlight people. He talked about how people are living in the shadows, right? And then they step into these 
street lights. It's like when you're out at night and you're walking and it's dark. You can't see. Other people can't see you. But then when you walk underneath the street light, all of a sudden you can see and people can see you. And he said, that's what it's like when we walk into this relationship with Christ, when we walk out of darkness into light. Today, Jonathan Cain is a worship pastor in a church in Florida, and he produces, continues to produce his Christian music now, and he journeys towards some with Journey. But he's speaking of something that is very similar, in a sense, to what John Wesley spoke of uh, 250 years earlier, when John Wesley preached this sermon um, called The Marks of the New Birth. Wesley was talking about how we can know we are children of God. How can we know that we're these streetlight people? How can we know that we've come out of darkness and into light? What are the marks? What are the evidence that we're truly a child of God? And Wesley said there are three marks, three genuine evidences of the Christian life. These aren't things that we can use to judge somebody else. These aren't, these aren't ways of I can discern whether you're a genuine Christian, but these are marks that I can look at in my own life and ask myself, is this true of me? You know, in, in Wesley's day, everyone would say they believed in God, but do I have the genuine marks of the Christian faith? He said three of them. Number one, the first mark of the Christian faith is faith. The first mark of genuine Christianity is faith, biblical faith. Don't stop believing, right? Hold on to that feeling. Don't stop. The first mark of the Christian faith, Christian life, is faith. And when we say faith, what we mean is biblical faith. The first mark of the Christian life is biblical faith. We don't mean believing in yourself. We don't even mean believing in God in the sense that there is a God or believing in Christ in the sense that Jesus was a human being who lived and died. That's all true and that's all great. But when Wesley speaks of faith or when the Bible speaks of faith, what it means is that true belief that Jesus died on the cross for my sins that Jesus rose from the dead so that I could have new life in Christ, that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, that right now he's interceding for me, that he is making uh, his petition for me, that he's paid my sins and made me a new creature. Biblical faith is this faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus done. Ephesians 2, 4 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. For by grace you've been saved through faith. We are saved because God loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God in Christ is offering us this free gift. But that free gift becomes effective in our lives when? When we trust in that gift when we put our faith in who God is and what God has done, our faith in who Christ is and what Christ has done. Galatians 3, 22 through 26 says this, But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. And, but now that faith which has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons or children of God through faith 
in Christ Jesus. Did you, seven times in those five verses, Paul tells us that we are justified, that we're given a promise of God, that God works in our lives through faith. Biblical faith is the means through which all of God's promises and all of God's grace comes into our life. Biblical faith is what connects us to God's work in Jesus Christ. Jesus did die for our sins, but it's biblical faith that allows that to become effective in our lives. Jesus did rise from the dead for our victory, but it's by faith that we rise with him. It's by faith we're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And Wesley says there's three characteristics of this biblical faith. Number one, that we renounce faith in ourselves. The first characteristic of real faith, of biblical faith, is we renounce faith in ourselves. Biblical faith is not saying, I can do this. Biblical faith is the opposite of that. Biblical faith is saying, I can't do this. I can't save myself. I can't make myself righteous. I can't fix this world myself. There's nothing that I can do to fix myself. I need somebody else to help me. I need grace. The second aspect of biblical faith, the characteristic of biblical faith, is it's acknowledging that we are sinful. Acknowledging that we are sinful. That I don't measure up to God's perfect standard. That all of us have fallen short. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That I am sinful. And then the third aspect of biblical faith is a certain conviction that only Christ and His grace can save us. Only Christ and His grace can can save us. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in Jesus. That's biblical faith. That's don't stop believing. That's what we hold on to. We don't hold on to a feeling. We hold on to this truth that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose from the grave. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and there he's interceding for us, that only he can do this work in us. It says in 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. So ask yourself this morning. These are the marks of the Christian life. These are the marks of genuine Christianity. Do I have that kind of faith? Have I trusted in Jesus or in myself? Do I believe in who God is and who God, what God does, or do I believe in myself? I remember when I was 16 or 17 years of age, I came to this realization in life that I couldn't fix my own life. 16, 17 years of age, I was a junior in high school, and uh, man, I just, I was at a place in my life, like a lot of high schoolers maybe, a lot of, of us hit some point in our life where I realized I can't make my life what I want it to be. I wasn't really happy in life. I wasn't really excited about myself, about my schooling. I wasn't really excited about my family. There were a lot of things going on in my life, and it just real, I've just realized I can't make this life what it should be. I realized I don't even live up to my own expectations, let alone my parents' expectations or my teachers' expectations or my friends' expectations. I realized I can't fix myself. I realized I'm a sinner. But the hardest part in coming to Christian faith was believing that there was somebody out there who could make me what I needed to be, that there was somebody out there who loved me enough to fix my life. There's somebody out there who loved me enough to take my inadequacies upon himself. I noticed that there were some friends that I had met who professed to believe in Jesus, 
who had a joy to life, who had a, a hope in life that I was missing. I started reading the Bible, and I read in, in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, how Jesus took just regular people, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, and he gave them a new life. And I began to believe, well, maybe Jesus could do that to me. And then one day I prayed, Jesus, I don't know if you're real. If you are real, I don't know if you'd want to have anything to do with my life. But if you are real and you want to have something to do with my life, if you show yourself to me, I will trust you. I will walk with you. I will follow where you lead. Biblical faith is that, is that recognition. We can't fix ourselves. We're sinners. We can't make ourselves righteous. But God has done that for us in Jesus Christ. And that's the first evidence of true Christianity. The first evidence of true Christianity is biblical faith. The second evidence of true Christianity, this is Roman numeral two on your sermon notes, is hope. Faith, number one, hope, number two. The second evidence of, of true Christianity is hope, biblical hope. That when, when we say hope in the biblical sense, we mean assurance, what Pastor John calls, I know that I know that I know, that sense in our heart that it's going to be okay because Christ is with me. In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercies has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been born again, the scripture says, into a living hope. We have a hope within us. This is, this is what Wesley means when he says hope is the second evidence of the Christian life. We have this hope within us that's alive. Well, we, we have, because our hope is in what? It's in a living Savior. It's in a, a, a perfect God-man who died for our sins and rose again. And our hope is in him that sits at the right hand of the Father. And that gives us hope. It's, it's an assurance it's a guarantee. It's a foundational faith. When I use the word hope outside of church, and I think you, you probably do the same thing, when you use the word hope outside of church, what we generally mean is wish. Like, like our outdoor adventure club this Saturday is supposed to go kayaking. Well, I hope it's going to be nice weather. I don't have any real confidence it's going to be nice weather. I haven't even checked the weather forecast because in September, a weather forecast that's five days out is worth very little. But I hope it's going to be nice weather, right? I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be like it was this weekend. It's going to be great. But I don't have any confidence of that. That's not what we mean when we say hope in church. That's not what we mean when we say hope in a biblical sense. Our hope in a biblical sense is more like assurance because our hope is in who God is which is unchanging. It's not like the weather. Our hope is in what Christ did. You can't change that. He died on the cross. He rose again. You can't change that. And so our hope is based on what's immutable, not on what's always changing. Hebrews 10, through 23 says this, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance. That's what we mean when we say hope, in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an everlasting conscience and our from an evil conscience in our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let me read that again. Let us draw near with a sincere faith and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Our hope in this verse is almost synonymous with full assurance. Hope, hope without wavering is the same as full assurance of faith. When we say hope, what we mean is, I know that I'm seated at the right hand with Christ, at the right hand of the Father with Christ. I know that he's taken away my sins. I, my hope is in eternity. I know that I'm secure in Christ. When I say I hope it's going to be nice weather this week, I mean I wish. I don't have any confidence in that. When I say I hope the Washington football team is going to have a great season this season, I mean, there's all some laughing here, uh, I mean I wish they will, right? I, 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 last year we were, what, 9-7, and seven. we went to the playoffs. You know, that's a pretty good season for us. I hope we're going to do better this year. I hope we have a winning record. I hope we win the NFC East again. I hope we go to the playoffs. I hope we win a playoff game. And my hope is based on faith, right, to some degree, right, in Coach Rivera. I have faith in Coach Ron Rivera to some degree. Not, not complete faith, because he's just a a, a person, but I have faith. I have faith to some degree in our defensive line. They're going to be really good, but injuries happen, whatever. I can put faith in them. I can put faith to a degree in Fitzpatrick and even Heineke, right? To a degree. Heineke may be the second best thing that ever came out of Old Dominion University. We got the first best sitting right over here, and Heineke's not going to take his place, but but Taylor Heineke may be the second best thing to ever come out of Old Dominion University. So I have, I have faith to a degree in the Washington football team. But what I mean is I hope, I wish they're going to be good. When we say I put my hope in eternity or I put my hope in Jesus or I put my hope that, that God has a, a plan for my life, it's not like the Washington football team because my faith is based on who Jesus is and what Jesus did, not who Ron Rivera is and what Taylor Heineke can do, right? Not that Taylor Heineke's bad, but he's a human being. He can get injured. Our, our defensive line is great, but something can happen. But our faith is not based on that, and our hope is based on what is sure. That's the second evidence of the Christian faith. Number one is faith itself. Number two is biblical hope, which is assurance. And the third evidence, the third sign, the third mark of genuine Christianity is love. This is Roman numeral, Roman numeral three on your sermon notes, is love. Faith, hope, and love. Some of you guys saw that coming. That's from 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, and love. The three evidence of the Christian faith in our lives. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulation. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine even writing that? We also exalt in our tribulation. Yeah, we're, we're super excited about the suffering that we're going under, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And our hope does not disappoint. This isn't the Washington football team hope. This is hope in someone who's eternal. Our hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We put this hope in who Christ is and what Christ has done, and Christ pours out into our life this Holy Spirit. And with this Holy Spirit is what? The love of God. 
that allows us to exalt in our tribulations, that allows us to face whatever we face in this world with this hope that, that, can't, that, that can't be destroyed because his love is living in us and through us. The scripture says that we love because he first loved us. The scripture in 1 John 4, 18, 19 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because it involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And John, 1 John 4, 10 says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice, one who dies for another for our sins. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And so these are the three signs of the Christian life. Number one, we have a genuine biblical faith. God is at work in our lives to to build our lives on that solid rock of faith. Not, Not faith like I believe in myself, the very opposite of that, that I believe in God and what God has done in Jesus Christ. Hope, hope that is based on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So I know my eternity is secure. I know I'm a child of God. I know my sins have been forgiven. And love, God loves us. God's love isn't just external like he, God says he loves us. I believe it because the scripture says it. But God, through his Holy Spirit, has dwelt into my life and I experience his love. Like, like, like Journey says, hold on to that feeling. You know, that love that is more than a feeling, but we experience God's assurance. Our hearts, our spirits cry out to his spirit that we're children of God. These three things are the marks of the Christian life. Again, they're not good for me evaluating you. I look at your life and go, is, that, is she a genuine Christian? She have faith? She have hope? She have love? It's not, it's not very good because you can fake this. But this is how we evaluate ourselves. We can look at our own life. We can measure our own life. We can say, do I have that kind of biblical faith? Have I built my life on the one who is eternal? Do I have that kind of biblical hope in the midst of tribulation? Can I exalt because I know it's going to work together for my good and for his glory? Do I have that kind of of love living in me? Has, Has God filled me with his spirit? Is my heart strangely warm? Does my heart cry out, Abba, Father? These are the marks of the Christian life. If I go to the bank, I'm a member of Apple Federal Credit Union. If I go to my Apple Federal Credit Union and I want to take money out of my account or I want to cash a check, you know what they ask? They say, I'm, we need to see some ID. They, they, they make me prove, give evidence that I am who I say, say I am. And then they make me sign this digital pad and then they compare my signature against the signature that's on file because they need evidence that I am who I say I am, that, I, that that money is rightfully mine. If I do it online, I've got to have the password that I put in the computer, and then they want to send a code to my phone, and then I have to put the code in. And if they get suspicious, if I, if I don't get that right, they're going to start asking me personal questions about my mom, right, and about growing up and about my high school and things like that. Because they want evidence that I really am David Todd Shalekti. That that money belongs to me before they'll give it to me. 
And it's true in our Christian life too, that there are marks, there are evidences that I truly am a child of God. You might not be to see these marks, but if I can't see these marks, there's a problem, right? There are evidences that I truly belong to Christ. There are evidences that, that God has put his hand on my life and said, you are my child. There are evidences that this is true. What are those evidences? Faith, biblical faith, that I trust in who God is and what God's done. Hope, I have this assurance that even in the tribulations of life, that God's going to work it out for my good and for his glory. And, and love, that God's love is residing in my life. That my life is not trying to muster up a love for God, but that God has given me God's love into my life. Faith, hope, and love. These three. The greatest of these is love. These are the evidence that it's true. Now, if you examine your life and you say, I don't know. I don't know if I have that biblical faith. I, I don't know if I have that kind of hope. My hope feels more like your hope in the Washington football team than, than what you're talking about in the Bible. I don't know if I have experienced that kind of love. I've got some good news for you. Right now, today, you can receive that gift. It's not like when I go to the Apple Federal and they say, well, if you don't have an ID, we're not giving you the money. And I say, well, is there any other way? Can I just get a new ID today? No, they, they need that. But right now, wherever you are, because this isn't something we do, it's something we receive. Every one of us can receive that free gift, that faith, that hope, that love that's based on who Jesus is. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, we thank you for these marks that you've given us to show us that we are your children, to confirm to us that we truly are adopted into your family and that we belong to you. We thank you, Lord, for that faith that makes this real in our hearts that confidence, not in ourselves, but in you. That confidence, not in our world, but in what you've done to overcome the world. We thank you, Lord, for that hope, that unwavering commitment, that full assurance that you're going to finish what you started in us. And Lord, we thank you for the love that you've poured out in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. I pray right now that Every one of us that questions that faith, that wonders if we have that hope, that longs, Lord, for your love, would feel your Holy Spirit, would experience that truth in your life right now. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.